Welcome to Hall Fights, a nerdonearth.com podcast where we look at the Marvel heroes of Netflix as we prepare for the launch of the Defender series. This time, Earth Nerd Clave joins me as we talk about Luke Cage, his history in the comics, and how they have made him a more modern character. And we also talk about his first season on Netflix, Sweet Christmas. All right, and then on today's episode of Hall Fights, we are talking about the the Netflix series Luke Cage. Joining me today is uh, Earth Nerd Clave. Hello, Clave. Hey, how are you? Good. So when we talk about uh, Luke Cage, when you think about the superhero Luke Cage, Power Man, uh, what comes to your mind? What is your earliest memory of him and uh, sort of your comics background? Yeah, the earliest mem- memories are back to the just old school 70s. I'm not that old, but uh but I would go get them from the bins in the in the mid 80s and get those older comics and man, I love those. And as a kid, I mean, how great was that? It was just here's kung fu, here's this, you know, power man that Bullets wouldn't touch him. So I thought it was just great. And then I love the street level aspect too as a kid. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So Cage is, is made by Marvel at a time when um they were looking at pop culture and what was uh, selling well and other forms of entertainment and creating characters. So you had a character like Luke Cage that was created in part out of um what we today would call sort of the black exploitation era of films. And, and I think we've got to say from the very beginning, we're two white guys talking about a guy we really love in Luke Cage. Yeah. We also recognize historically, you know, in, in his creation, there's some issues there. Right. Uh, that since I think Marvel has tried to address in some ways. So you had a book like Luke Cage, what was it focused on that? You had a book like Iron Fist that was sort of a Kung Fu based character. Mm-hmm. And when they created those books, I think they sold really well. And like you said, they were focused in a different part of the Marvel universe, kind of what's happening down at the street level. And so if you picked up a Luke Cage book, you, you got this, this backstory of a guy who got his powers from an experiment that went awry while he was serving time in prison. And when he comes out, he kind of becomes this hero for hire. He's uh, He's got these superpowers, but he also needs to pay the bills, but also kind of with a heart of gold winds up more times than not just donating his services to help people out. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, that, that series sold fairly well. And then um, they started to get to a place where they were worried about what was going to happen. And they merged the two books, Power Man and Iron Fist. So that's probably where I remember the most from Luke Cage. For whatever reason, for me as a teenager, I really dug that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's really hard to overstate when these comics were created, what was popular in the culture. I mean, it was it was big. So think about Iron Fist quickly. You know, it was all these kung fu movies of the 70s. Power Man, when he came out, like you said, the black exploitation, but you know, it was a little disco. I mean, look at his 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 costume when he came out it was just a little bit disco. And then the fact that they were heroes for hire, you know, they were the television shows at that time, heroes were little mercenaries. You know, they were they were these Robin Hood types that would uh, that would get paid to do jobs. Um, you know, think about the A Team and Knight Rider and those sort of sort of shows during that era. Those were the kind of heroes 
and the stories that were being told. And so it was super popular during that time. And so, you know, Marvel, obviously, they wanted to they wanted to tap into that. And so here comes the characters. But, you know, to their credit, they did a good job of, of you know, fleshing out the character later on with uh, Bendis' run in New Avengers. Yeah, so I think that that's a worthwhile thing. So Power Man and Iron Fist, I think, sort of comes to a close in around 1986. And then the character has a couple different tries where they tried to start series with him. But then ultimately he moves back into prominence when uh, Brian Michael Bendis takes him on first in the series Alias, which is what the Jessica Jones uh, series on Netflix is based on, and then New Avenger. So talk about like what do you think is the shift that Bendis was able to do to make Cage become more important to the Marvel Universe? Man, again, I was a huge fan as a kid of Luke Cage. Um but the new Avengers run is when he became, he literally became one of my favorite comic characters. Uh, and it was in such odd ways where he just became the, uh, he became the level headed, steady rock of this new Avengers team that included Spider-Man and Wolverine and Catman, you know, all these, all these big characters. And he became the, in so many ways, just the, the steady center and what was fascinating during this period, it also happened where he became a husband. He became a father. Um, and so just really just rooted him more in the street level, just kind of like I have my head together and we need to go out and, and do what's right and take care of people. Just a really simple message to the character. And then let's be honest, he's just, he's just great. You know, he's bulletproof. He's tough. He's the brawler. Uh, he gets out in front of folks. And it wasn't just that new Avengers series either. Later on, he became kind of took that element further. And I don't know if you're familiar with the comic run where he led the Thunderbolts for a while. And so they're like, hey, you're a level headed, good, calm presence. Go in and you take care of these these crazy, you know, former criminals, now heroes. And that was a fun run for Luke Cage as well. But during that time, man, he became a central character in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I think it's really impressive if you look at um, Bendis's work, taking him and moving him into a position of prominence. Um, when you think about that new Avengers run, they're, they're really sort of two anchor characters. It's Captain America and it's Luke Cage. Yeah. And you're putting him in some pretty lofty company. And you're, and you're creating, I think, two pretty good foils for each other. Mm -hmm. Um you kind of have the white bread Captain America super patriot versus Luke Cage, who is has seen the real streets and knows mm -hmm. it doesn't always work the same way that Cap thinks mm -hmm. it does. Yeah, and they kind of have a mutual respect that sort of grows out of that. Mm -hmm. So all of that to say, Cage is um is moving up, becoming more and more important and popular in the Marvel universe, and then suddenly we get the announcement that Netflix is going to do the um the series of, of shows based on Marvel properties, it's going to be more set at the street level. And um, so they get back the rights for daredevil. And then uh, one of the most immediate shows they didn't say is going to happen is uh, Jessica Jones, which will lead into a Luke cage series. So when you heard Luke cage, Netflix series, uh, what stood out in your mind as uh, how was that going to work? Yeah. Man, well, first of all, like 10 year old clave, like to think, that there's going to be a Luke Cage and an Iron Fist show on, 
you know, Netflix. Like I never could have like this is I mean, what a what a world we live in. I love it. I'm so so excited. But when I heard Luke Cage, ah, uh, I think that was the one I got most excited about. Uh again, because he quickly became one of my favorite characters, but just also I, you know, the same could be said at Daredevil as well, but they just really embody that street-level hero. Obviously, you know, Daredevil, Hell's Kitchen, Luke Cage in Harlem. But I was just really excited to see the take that they did with him. Um, and it was very much, um, you know, not high comic booky. It was the it was the Bendis take, you know, where Luke Cage in a in a tight T-shirt you know, knowing that he's there for business and the casting was great. Um, all the actors were great. And so from the beginning, I was excited about the Netflix show and the execution. I loved it. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, it, it may to me be the best season of the Netflix series. Um, I, I think it, uh, it had some benefits and that some of the work that was laid ahead of mm-hmm. time and daredevil and Jessica Jones. But I, I think it's a really great example of, what can happen when uh, someone that owns an intellectual property hires great people, yep. um, kind of gives them a sandbox play in and then lets them do their thing. Um, when you look at cage, when you look at Luke cage, the series, there's no doubt it is very different in a lot of ways from daredevil, mm-hmm. um, but it also fits into that world. I think pretty nicely. So as you, you think about the show, what are some of the things that stand out to you as what makes it one of the better seasons of the Marvel Netflix shows? Yeah, man, I think it's the best as well. Um, and that's not saying the others are bad. The others are great. It just shows you, like, the Luke Cage is just so good. Um, I think, um, and again, this is, this is coming from a white dude who has spent very little time in Harlem. I've only visited a couple times. Like, I know anything. Um, but it... It man, just the tone, the feel, the um, I was just engrossed by that. I thought it was really good. Um, I love the placement of the music throughout. Um, I love the way it was set. You know, there was a barber shop that was a big part of the setting. Um, I, I love that just kind of in the streets kind of tone to the whole thing. Another thing I think that they did amazingly well is. Gosh, it was just well acted. You know, I mean, just the just Cottonmouth was off the charts. Mariah Dillard was off the charts. Um, Mike Coulter is really good. Um, everything was shot well. Um, the fight scenes were weren't flashy scenes, but it was because Luke Cage is not a flashy hero. You know, it was right. just it was just kind of brawling, bust through walls, knock some heads. Uh, sort of things rather than this high flying super powered sort of thing because obviously you look at him and you real you wouldn't realize he's he's super powered um and so they did all that right and then obviously as a just a current political issue i mean a black man who is bulletproof right like that i mean that's that's that speaks and so i think it i think it was relevant i think it was um shot well acted well written well um so I loved it. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot there that they they did very well. Like you said, it allowed the show to be political in a way that wasn't, I thought, over the top right. too heavy handed. Yep. Um, you mentioned the character Mariah Dillard, who 
I think becomes one of the major villains of the show, not in part because she's so powerful, but in part because she's so conniving and political. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows up in, um, she becomes his major nemesis in part because he's dealing with the political realities of what do you do when, you know, good people potentially become corrupt. Right. And, uh, and how do you handle that? Especially in, you know, a poor community where, where there's unfortunately a lot of history of that. I think there's, um, I think you talked some about the, the cotton mouth in the first half of the season, diamond back in the second are just, um, I mean, genuinely, you know, good villains. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think it does need to be said though about Luke Cage that it suffers the same thing that all the Marvel shows do, which is at 13 episodes, they're about three episodes too long. Um, yep. And so I think the first, the first half, I mean, Cottonmouth um, was just fantastic, and not a not a slight against Diamondback, but it, it didn't. The back half wasn't as solid. Um, him coming out as oh the you know the long lost brother and the father and all those issues coming out, which again is a very comic booky thing, and so you. You understand where that's coming from, but it felt a little, a little forced. And again, it was just all these Marvel shows. You know, thirteen episodes is about three episodes too long, so it started to, it started to get a little, a, a little too much cruft at the end. But again, that uh, I'm talking about a from an A plus to an A minus um, in the in the back half. Yeah, I, I think without a doubt, one of the things you'll hear over and over again as we talk about hall fights is. Um, these shows tend to be just a few episodes too long. Mm-hmm. You know, you wish you could have sat in the writer's room and tightened up things just a little bit to, to make them, uh, like you said, not that they're bad, but just to make them that much more uh, quick and fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned two things that I think really stand out that I wanted to highlight, which was two of the major settings for the show allow it to do a lot of what it does. And the first one is the barber shop, yep. and the second is the music club. So, I love the barbershop because it is um it, it it really is a centerpiece of the community. And mm-hmm. we see that in in you know what happens when it gets kind of destroyed and shot up. Uh, you know, as Cage is sort of working there, getting paid under the table. I, I just thought that that was a really smart idea. It introduces a lot of um potential and characters that I think are there. And then the music club, I think just opened up this um it made this show in a weird way, a little bit noir mm-hmm. that I think worked. And it also meant you could consistently bring in really good musical talent and music for this show, which I think for this show is huge. Part of its success is the soundtrack. Yeah. You know, the way they use music and hip hop and things to make that, uh, that setting work and those characters work, I think are, are a huge thing. So, uh, I think it's a it's really sort of revelatory that they were smart enough to sort of make those things really stand out and, and work well. Yeah, and then speaking about the barber shop, you got to talk about Pop. You know, I mean, what a great character! What a character who had a tough background, doing good. I mean, here was here was a hero with no superpowers, right? I mean, here was a guy in the community uh, helping out young kids, and I'm like, listen, our country needs a million more pops, you know? I mean, just a great character in that barbershop. And then, like you said, in the music club, 
Whereas the barbershop gave it just a really recognizable street level uh, tone to it. The music club gave us some cool, like that was just some really cool scenes and, and just really good music and a little piece of trivia. Uh, as I'm, as I'm speaking uh, from Minneapolis is uh, word was that they wanted to get Prince uh, for oh. one of the final episodes. And obviously that did not work out, uh, but man, but it just shows you just how cool. And, but I also thought that was a neat setting and it just evokes like all that, that culturally we we hear of Harlem, right? Like we hear about these about these great this great music, these great jazz clubs, and all those sort of things. And I thought that really brought it to life. I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought it just was incredibly smart on their part to to make that happen, and it it really did evoke a sense of of style and emotion that maybe would have been yep. lacking. And you're right about pops. In some ways, it would be easy to write him off as. Luke Cage's Uncle Ben, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the, the motivator, yep. but but I think that they did a lot to build that character up, and I think through him you also get a different side of that same coin, in in a character we haven't even talked about that's one of the standouts, which is Missy Knight. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we I, I can't believe I didn't mention Misty when we're talking about going back. Like I remember her character way back in the day, and you know with her bionic arm and punching a shark, you know, like as a kid, like just a great character. And and the same for Colleen wing. Um, Those were fun characters, the daughters of the dragon and that sort of thing from those old school comics. But man, she was an amazing addition to the show. And I love that character of just a tough detective, uh, just going to get in and get to the bottom of things. And she was just a great character all around. I thought they did really well. The casting was good. The acting was good. They, they wrote her well. And, and again, 10 year old Clave never thought he'd see Misty Knight um, on TV, but gosh, I was so stoked. Well, and I think Misty Knight does a great job of being a foil for the Mariah character, mm-hmm. you know, two, two sides of the same coin, one that's on the side of the police and one that's, kind of drifted and gone the other way. I think they do a nice job of setting up what you talked about, which is eventually maybe she's going to get that bionic arm that we all love from the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that, um, I, I think the show would be lesser without her. I think it, it really does her to help move it along. And, um, and it gives another person's perspective. Uh, what this show does really well is it takes that, that street level perspective but it gives it to you from so many different sides that you realize nobody has the one right point of view. You know, Cage doesn't, Misty doesn't, Mariah doesn't. All of them see a part of it, but none of them have the full overall view. And I, I think that really is staying out. Uh, what did you think about the the one person who's already crossed over all these shows, which is the character of Claire Temple, Claire played Temple. by Rosario Dawson, who ultimately in this show kind of becomes really important. Yeah, yeah, the the love interest, which is which is strange, which is odd for me as a comic guy, because I'm like, well, obviously Luke Cage and Jessica Jones are going to get together, and, right? And they're going to be married, and they're going to have a daughter named Danielle. Like, like why why are they playing around with us? And so I thought that was I thought that was where well done to bring Claire Temple in as a love interest, just to. Uh, you know, for folks like me that automatically assumed it was going to go a different direction to, to mix it up a little bit. And then she's just a great character. I think she 
her role, um, her character is just really brilliant. What Marvel did with Netflix, which is, you know, she's the audience. Like, how am I? She speaks for us when it's like, what in the world is going on around here? And who are these people? And you guys are nuts. And, um, and just the, her exasperation, like, I can't believe this is my life right now. Um, this really does well to fit through all of these different shows. Um, so I like your character. Yeah. And, and I think you're right through her. We're sort of able to get Luke Cage's backstory without it being, um, you know, the backstory episode. Exactly. Which slowly over time we get his history of the prison and what mm-hmm. happened there. And I, you know, ultimately revisit that and I go back when I, when his powers start to fade, which I think is again, an interesting, it's a trope in comics, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, what are you still a hero? If your powers go away, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, they did a great job using that as part of this season. So as we talk about cage and, and just the, the quality of this season, when you start to then think about how does he fit into what we know about the defenders, uh, what do you think is going to be coming forward uh, for Cage in that series? Yeah, I mean, I I imagine he'll play sort of a new Avengers role in a sense. We're just the level-headed, good, going to do what's right, but also understands the street character. Um, I mean, clearly Daredevil, Matt Murdock has played up like the Frank Miller, the, the neurosis, the, you know, just riddled with guilt and, and all these, all these emotions. You have Jessica Jones that it's like, I don't want to do this, um, smart aleck. And you have Iron Fist, which is the, uh, you know, just the over enthusiastic, uh, heads all over the place sort of character. So Luke Cage plays a very important part just interpersonally in that Defenders team. Um, And the way Mike Coulter as an actor plays him with that just kind of steady presence, you know, not too high, not too low, just as as Pop says, you know, forward always, always forward, I think will be a nice, nice fit for the Defenders. Well, and from the comic standpoint, Cage is sort of the obvious like the hook between all the other characters, you know, he he's prominent in the Jessica Jones story. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the long history of him and iron fist and partnership. Obviously that's going to be missing going into the Netflix series, but I think it's, it's definitely a case where he could be the, the center point and uh, the focal point of, of what happens in this season. And I, and I think it's interesting to see we'll have him and Jessica as these two sort of, powerful, strong, brute force people being contrasted with a uh, daredevil and iron fist who are mm-hmm. these martial artists, you Flipping know, around. Like. Yeah. so I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that works and, and how that moves forward. Uh, for sure though, I think if, if you haven't watched the series, Luke Cage is definitely worth checking out. Oh, uh, it sure. does slow down in the middle a little bit, but it's worth plowing through. It does so many things so well. That um, that honestly could have been messed up, and instead they they hired great creators. They gave them permission to do something different than their other shows, and it pays off. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all that is cool. You know, it's got the cool music. It's got the cool look to it. It's acted well. Yeah, man. If you haven't watched it, you gotta watch it. So when you think too about if someone wanted to jump on and, and discover Luke Cage as the the superhero that he is, what are some comics that you would point them towards? As, a, as being a good jump on point. Man, I would point every... that 
Bendis's run on New Avengers really was a fantastic, fantastic just comic run in general. It it did so much well. If you're a fan of the MCU, you will enjoy that also because it's got Doctor Strange in there, um, and even some Wolverine. So some of these characters that you you kind of get all together. Um, man, one of my favorite comic artists is uh, Stanford Green. So good, such a, a fantastic artist um and he was the artist on the recent uh power man and iron fist that ran oh about 15 issues i think yeah uh just recently man that comic is great um it really it it's it's fun it really fits the kind of the buddy cop playfulness that that we don't see in the netflix series but was definitely in the comics between um Iron Fist and Power Man. Um, again, the artwork is fantastic. Stanford Green draws just kind of these uh, great, great villains like uh, Black Mariah. The Mariah Dillard is in the uh, is in the comic series, and so he just draws them just like kind of wild and wide eyed in a in a really fun way. He gets the action well, but he draws the most beautiful just daily moments. Um, there's some wonderful panels of just Luke Cage with, uh, with Jessica Jones and their kid playing on the floor that are just wonderful comic panels. And so if you haven't read that comic series, the power man and iron fist that that's ran the past couple of years, check that out. It's, I love it. Yeah. I, I would completely agree with both of those, those calls. New Avengers is um probably at this point in time, it's probably 12, 15 years old, mm-hmm. but was was really a relaunch of the Marvel universe in a lot of ways. Absolutely. We've we've talked about and written on our site even how some of what the success they've had in the Marvel cinematic universe can be tied to that book. Yep. Um and then I would totally agree with you on the most recent book, the the Power Man and Iron Fist, um by Sanford Green and David Walker. Um both of those books, the trades that collect all of those together are available uh right now. Um you can get them through Comicsology for less than five bucks each. Yeah. So you get almost the whole run. And I, I think it's a, a great, um, like you said, a great buddy cop in a way that we don't see a lot in comics anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that really, fun really works well with a definitely a, an awesome, unique art style that I think uh, works well for these characters as well. So, yeah. Well, Clave, thanks so much for being on the show today as we've, uh, we talked about it. Uh, as we do want to close, as we close out the this episode, uh, what did you think about the hall fight in Luke Cage, where we see um, him charge into the uh, the building where all the weapons and things are being stored? Uh, by this point in time, they knew that was sort of becoming their trademark. Uh, did that that hall fight live up to it for you? Man, you just created a fantastic opening for me to say "Sweet Christmas." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was such a great fight scene. I mean, it was just, he just came in like a bulldozer, you know, and just really played that, that, uh, like you can't touch me and that frustration and that rage from, I'm sick of you jokers messing up my town, you know, and I'm just going to go right at you and get you. And I love the way it was just busting down drywall and just knocking folks around you know, it was just it was just kind of a brawling sort of thing. There was none of this kung fu, uh, you know, sting like a uh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. It was just straight bulldozer. 
And uh, I, I thought it was such a great, a great scene. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, that reminder of just um, his skill set, his powers, you know, that that bulletproof nature. And, uh, you know, he's doing what Pops told him to do. Totally. Uh, always forward. Forward always. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Clay, thanks so much for being on this episode. Yeah, man, it was and, fun. Uh, and next up, we'll be talking about uh, the immortal Iron Fist and, uh, and how he will tie into the Defenders. So, thanks. You just listened to Hall Fights, Luke Cage. Thanks to Clay, who you can follow on Twitter at EarthNerdClave, as well as find all the amazing content he creates there on our website, nerdsonearth.com. Our theme song was created by our amazing sound engineer, Andrew Danielson, who you can find at danielsonsound.com. And Andrew also edited this episode. Thanks, Andrew. Next up on Hall Fights, we look at the character who has been Luke Cage's partner for years in the comics as a hero for hire, the Iron Fist. Does the fourth character in his season hold up as we move into the Fenders? Joe and I work to tackle that question. 